Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. On this episode, an author and food safety advocate reveals shocking facts about how genetically modified organisms entered our lives and how the FDA is less interested in public safety and more interested in corporate profits. An FDA commissioner said the one thing that bugs me is that people think the FDA is protecting them and they're not. So even the founder of the FDA within 27 years was lamenting at how the corporations had taken over and that the FDA was really the enforcement wing of the corporations they were supposed to regulate. Hey there, I'm hard at work on another edition of Inner Sanctum, my free monthly newsletter. Inner Sanctum features my monthly brief, a column of my thoughts and opinions on what's happening in the world. It features a spotlight on a past guest, a look ahead to an upcoming episode of my weekly syndicated radio program, The Conspiracy Show. It features a look at this month in conspiracy and UFO history and my Conspiracy Unlimited podcast episode pick of the month and so much more. To get your free monthly newsletter, Inner Sanctum, delivered to your email inbox, just go to my website, strangeplanet.ca, strangeplanet.ca. Scroll down to the bottom of the page and click on Inner Sanctum and register. It's fast, easy, and again, absolutely free. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serres. Pursuing the truth wherever it leads. Exposing evil and corruption and the secret machinations of powerful elites. Revealing the high strangeness beneath the surface of our supposed reality. Coming to you from his studio beneath the stairs. Here's Richard Serrett. Welcome to your Monday. Well, I was poking around my audio archives and I found this interview from my radio program I did way back in August of 2012 with food safety advocate Jeffrey Smith. Smith links GMOs to toxins, allergies, infertility, infant mortality, immune dysfunction, stunted growth, and even death. Whistleblowers, he says, were fired, threatened, and gagged, and warnings by FDA scientists were ignored. Smith is an international best-selling author and the leading spokesperson on the health dangers of genetically modified organisms. Jeffrey is the leading consumer advocate promoting healthier non-GMO choices, and he's the author of the world's best-selling and number one rated book on the health dangers of GMOs. His meticulous research documents how biotech companies continue to mislead legislators and safety officials to put the health of society at risk and the environment in peril. His first book, Seeds of Deception, Exposing Industry and Government Lies About the Safety of the Genetically Engineered Foods You're Eating, masterfully combines the art of storytelling and investigative reporting. His second book, Genetic Roulette, the Documented Health Risks of Genetically Engineered Foods is the authoritative work on GMO health dangers. It includes 65 health dangers, linking GMOs in our food to toxic and allergic reactions, infertility, and damage to virtually every internal organ studied in lab animals. The book expertly summarizes why the safety assessments conducted by the FDA and regulators worldwide teeter on a foundation of outdated science and false assumptions, and why GM foods most urgently become our nation's top food safety priority. 
The former UK Environment Minister says the revelations in genetic roulette may change the global course of events this century, quote, end quote. Jeffrey has counseled leaders from every continent, campaigned to end the use of genetically engineered bovine growth hormone, and influenced the first state laws in the United States regulating GMOs. Jeffrey Smith, how are you? Great, thank you. What are GMOs? Let's start with a definition. Well, you take genes from one species and force it into the DNA of other species. So you have genes from bacteria that are forced into soybeans, allowing the soybean plants to not die when sprayed with Roundup herbicide. They're called Roundup-ready soybeans. You have corn that's genetically engineered to produce its own insecticide that breaks open the stomach of insects to kill them. It's in the corn that we eat. So it's mixing and matching genes between species, and even the process itself causes massive collateral damage and might cause new toxins, allergens, or carcinogens into the food, but these are not evaluated before they get put on the market. How prevalent are genetically engineered ingredients in the foods we eat? I guess it's hard to know because we don't have proper labeling. Exactly. It would be great to have labeling. And if we did, we'd realize that if the food was processed, then it's probably 9 out of 10 packaged processed foods that contain one of the nine genetically modified food crops. Soy and corn in particular, canola oil especially in Canada, cottonseed oil, as well as sugar from sugar beets. Those are the main ones. So if we often hear the term, they're Roundup Ready, which, which means that these plants are genetically, soy and corn and others, are genetically modified so that they will take as much Roundup herbicide as you can throw at them. Is that the idea? Pretty much. In other words, instead of having to worry about hurting your plants when you are putting on the weed killer, you just spray right over the top. The plants drink the weed killer and put it, store a lot of it right in the food portion that we end up eating. And, of course, Roundup is not the benign herbicide that Monsanto tried to lead us to believe. It turns out it's linked to cancer and Parkinson's and birth defects and problems with estrogen and testosterone production and may be responsible for the horrific reproductive disorders found in lab animals fed Roundup-ready crops. So corn, soy which, as you, as you indicate, end up in, in feed for livestock and chickens and things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, what other plants or organisms are genetically modified and used in the food business? So in corn, cotton, canola, sugar from sugar beets, papaya from Hawaii or China, zucchini, yellow crookneck squash, and alfalfa used for hay. These are the only genetically modified food-related crops right now. Now, would the these food giants that produce uh, these GMOs, DuPont and, and Monsanto, which is interesting because those companies originally were in the herbicide and pesticide business, correct? And they still are. You see, it's a big, big opportunity for them to sell lots more chemicals if they sell the seeds that require the use of those chemicals. So... Is Monsanto and DuPont, are they trying to bring, out, to bring in more than these nine plants that you, you uh, indicated? Would they like to expand the, uh, the, the types of plants that are GMOs? Indeed, Monsanto's stated goal, as reported by its consultant in a 1999 biotech conference in San Francisco, was to genetically engineer 100% of all commercial seeds in the world, own the patents for those seeds, and sell the associated chemicals. In fact, at the same conference, 
Another company projected that within five years, 95% of all commercial seeds would be genetically engineered. Now, they, they fortunately have not met that time schedule. Consumer resistance and a tipping point of consumer resistance in Europe in particular has stopped that timetable almost in its tracks. But virtually every fruit and vegetable and grain and bean that is common is, has been genetically engineered and is in some place in the pipeline. But it gets worse because there's now mosquitoes that have been released that are genetically engineered. They, there's a group that wants to introduce genetically engineered fish and livestock and trees. And so basically they're looking to replace nature, cutting off the billions of years of evolution and create man-made combinations with unpredicted side effects, basically designer, um, designer nature, man designing nature rather than nature expressing it from its own wisdom. Jeffrey Smith is with us here on The Conspiracy Show, the author of Seeds of Deception, Exposing Industry and Government Lies About the Safety of the Genetically Engineered Foods You're Eating, and also Genetic Roulette, The Documented Health Risks of Genetically Engineered Foods, and the website is responsibletechnology.org. Check it out. I've linked to it on my website at richardserrett.com. Now, um, Monsanto and DuPont, um, they would argue, I'm, I'm guessing, Jeffrey, that with 7 billion people on the planet, the only way we're going to be able to feed everyone is to increase crop yields, and the only way to do that is to genetically modify them. Well, that's the public relations spin, and it's completely wrong. It turns out that the most comprehensive evaluation of how to feed the world, done by more than 400 scientists signed on by 58 countries, sponsored by the UN and 11 other major transnational organizations, said that the current generation of GMOs has nothing to offer feeding the hungry world. In fact, the average GM crop reduces yield. It concentrates the ownership of seeds and the control of agriculture into few multinationals. It hurts biodiversity. It removes the independence of farmers. It increases the use of agricultural chemicals and dependence on inputs. And they said things like agroecology which have a huge opportunity for not only increasing yields but also eradicating poverty and establishing sustainable agriculture are far more appropriate. So this concept that it's needed to feed the world is complete bogusness. In fact, we have more food per person than any time in human history, and it's not actually yields that are needed. It's access to the food, because even with the ability to feed 11 billion people today, 1 billion go, go to bed hungry or malnourished every night. A couple of weeks ago, the news broke that uh, scientists had created essentially a new life form. They took the, the cell of a, um, out of a rat's heart, and they created a squid. And um, they're doing this now? They're able to do Yes, we are creating new life forms. And uh, about 10 years ago, I had an, a conversation with uh, an author by the name of Frank Ogden. He was a, a futurist. Uh, they call him Dr. Tomorrow. I don't know if he's still with us. But he, he was telling me about how they've taken... Cells from, let's say, a, a, a ground fish like the um, like a halibut, and they of course live uh, in the deep Atlantic Ocean near the near the floor. It's incredibly cold down there. They've taken a cell from this or a gene, I guess, from this ground fish, and they've put it in uh, either germ wheat or winter wheat that's grown out in Alberta. And so now this this wheat is able to withstand colder temperatures. Now, Jeffrey, I thought at the time, well, that was, that's kind of cool. That's kind of interesting. I mean, is that the sort of thing, does that concern you when they're doing 
I mean, what's the danger of that? Well, it, the very process itself of insertion of gene, a gene into a new genome and cloning the cell into a plant can cause hundreds or thousands of mutations up and down the DNA. Up to 5% of the naturally functioning genes can change their levels of expression. So, for example, there's a corn engineered to produce its own toxic insecticide, but it also has 43 other proteins that are either dramatically increased or decreased, and one of those is a new allergen, which is not found in corn normally, but in Monsanto's genetically engineered corn, there's now a, a gene that's switched on that produces an allergen. But that's just the background noise. What they're putting into crops is not necessarily benign. For example, the BT toxin, which is designed to break open holes in the cell walls of the stomach of insects to kill them, the biotech industry and Health Canada and the FDA and EPA said that, don't worry, the BT toxin produced inside the corn is destroyed in the digestive tract of humans and mammals. But in Canada last year, at Sherbrooke University Hospital, they found that the BT toxin survived digestion and ended up in the blood of 93% of the pregnant women tested and 80% of their unborn fetuses. But according to Health Canada and the, bi and the biotech industry, don't worry because the BT toxin only affects cells in insects. But that was until this year when the Journal of Applied Toxicology extracted the BT toxin from Monsanto's corn, applied it to human cells, and found that it pokes holes in human cells too, causing leakage. So we have a toxin which can poke holes in human cells in the food supply, and it gets through our intestines into our blood and into the blood of the infants, and they have no blood-brain barrier developed. It could be on their brains. So where were the long-term studies before these uh, organisms, genetically modified plants, were approved by the FDA and Health Canada, I asked sarcastically. Well, you know, the scientists at the FDA had urged their superiors to acquire just that. We have the documents. They were made public from a lawsuit. They warned of allergies, toxins, new diseases, and nutritional problems. They said it deserves human studies, long-term toxicological studies. But the person in charge of policy at the FDA was the former attorney of biotech giant Monsanto, later Monsanto's vice president, now the U.S. food safety czar. Oh, this is too rich. So they said, so that guy said no safety testing is necessary, no labeling is necessary, that Monsanto, the same company that told us that PCBs, Agent Orange, and DDT were safe, can determine that GMOs are safe and put it on the market without telling the FDA or consumers. And now they're fighting honest labeling in the, in the food business. And, and Monsanto just dropped $4.2 million, raising the total bucket of trying to stop labeling in California to $25 million, and that's just the beginning. So these companies are trying to con confuse voters by saying that labeling is confusing. They're spending more money than they'd ever spend on labeling, saying that labeling is too expensive. So it is a complete whitewash, but it's going to be a very expensive whitewash. Right now, about 70% of voters in California are in favor of labeling, in favor of, the, of Prop 37. We'll see what happens after two months of a $100 million disinformation campaign. Well, let, I, I have an idea what's going to happen, Jeffrey. See if you agree. Let's say the initiative is approved, and they, therefore then it goes on the ballot, I guess, during the next state election, correct? Well, it is it's, approved. It's on the ballot. Okay, so let's say the voters vote for it. Proposition 37 is approved at the ballot box. Well, given that, uh, the, you know, the incredible 
uh, elephant in the room, this conflict of interest where you have former FDA, you have FDA officials who were formerly working for Monsanto. This, this doesn't stand a chance. I mean, even if it's approved by the voters, it'll never see the light of day. Well, here's the thing. The only two, um, bullets that they can fire is a lawsuit, but we, we the, the bill was designed so it was rock solid. It has law on its side. And then they can go to the feds and try and preempt it so no state can pass a labeling law. And that's getting more and more unpopular because what's happening is this. There's now thousands of doctors in North America prescribing non-GMO diets. There's evidence of, of enormous reproductive disorders, immune system problems, gastrointestinal problems related to GMOs, and people are getting better from these symptoms when they switch to non-GMO diets, as are livestock and pets. And even the American Academy of Environmental Medicine urges all doctors to prescribe non-GMO diets, saying that these categories of disease are found in the lab animals that are experimented with and fed GMOs. So there's more and more of a groundswell of concern about the health risks associated with eating GMOs, and that has resulted in non-GMO labels being one of the fastest-growing label claims in America for the past three years, and it's resulted in 19 states introducing labeling bills into their legislature within the last 12 months. None have gotten past Monsanto's influence peddling and threats of lawsuits, but this demonstrates a change in the collective consciousness moving in the direction of greater awareness about GMOs. And we know where that leads because we saw that in Europe. When Europeans were alerted to the concerns about GMOs by scientists, the tipping point of consumer rejection was swift and complete, and GMOs were kicked out. That's what we're trying to engineer here with a massive education campaign. Ah, okay. Well, you've given me some uh, some hope here, Jeffrey, because fact, it, it was starting... optimistic because I've been working on this issue for 16 years, and I've never seen what we're seeing now. GMOs are more lively in the news. There's thousands of people, part of our tipping point network, which people can access at responsibletechnology.org. We have a shopping guide at non-gmoshoppingguide.com and a free iPhone application called Shop No GMO. And these are very, very popular because the, the need now is to protect our own health and the health of our children who are most at risk as the information gets out. And I'll tell you one thing, that when I lecture to anyone in North America, whether it be doctors or food service directors or the general public, when I poll the audience before and after the lecture, that in, within 45 minutes, virtually everyone in the room has changed their diet, has become more vigilant, wanting to avoid GMOs. They may not have even heard of a GMO in the beginning, but when I describe the thousands of sick, sterile, and dead livestock, the damage to virtually every organ and every system studied, the toxic and allergic reactions in humans, the case studies, the increase in certain diseases since GMOs were introduced, and then I ask them how vigilant they'll be next week at avoiding GMOs. It is so, it is so remarkable that every single time we've seen dramatic changes on the spot in people's preference. And now we have a new film coming out this week called Genetic Roulette, The Gamble of Our Lives, and we think just watching the film will be sufficient to create this behavior change. Is Monsanto, DuPont, and others coming after you? Well, they're trying to discredit me. You see, I, in my second book, Genetic Roulette, I, I, describe, I work with more than 30 scientists, and I had every page reviewed by at least three scientists, so it was absolutely as accurate as I could find, as I can produce it. And it was a complete... It uh, uh, it completely trashed the claims by the biotech industry and showed, caught them red-handed, lying about their 
research. They have bad science down to a science. It's tobacco science. It's completely covering up ill health, and then they're distorting and denying the evidence. So we caught them red-handed, and so what they did is they created a bogus website called Academics Review, and they say, this shows that we're reviewing Jeffrey Smith's book, and it has all these problems, and they're just they're misquoting and misrepresenting the book. They're supposedly, they're supposedly uh, uh, challenging, and they're doing, using self-contradictory, very, very weak and, and poor scientific arguments, but this is what they point to. So anyone who really knows science and looks at it realizes that they're just basically vapid and, and a facade. Jeffrey Smith is with us here on The Conspiracy Show. We're talking about genetically modified organisms. Uh, they're in your food. You may not know it because uh, it's not indicated on the label. Uh, however, a number of jurisdictions are trying to change that, and uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. But um, how can I uh, how can I make a decision? Uh, how can I decide, you know, to go off genetically modified, uh, a non-GMO diet is what I'm trying to say. How can I choose well, a non-GMO diet if I don't know what's on the label, Jeffrey? Well, certainly labeling is going to be the easiest way, and there's about 49 countries that require labeling, and 40% of the world has that luxury or right enforced by the government. But in the United States and in Canada, you have a you have to sort of figure it out. We have a shopping guide, and in the shopping guide, it gives you the four tips. Buy organic, buy products that say non-GMO, by products that are listed in our shopping guide, which happen to be third-party verified as non-GMO by a, the non-GMO project, or by products without the at-risk ingredients. And so we have the list of the derivatives of soy and corn, which are rather extensive, as well as others. And this it becomes a, a label-reading exercise. So you can go and buy a spaghetti sauce that has olive oil instead of soybean oil or canola oil. When I go uh, to a restaurant, I make sure they don't cook my stuff in canola oil or soybean oil because I don't want to be exposed to that because I know too much. Once you're exposed, even if you make, you've made the decision, is it, I mean, is it, isn't it too late? Well, it's an interesting question. We know that the only human feeding study ever published showed that genes inserted into soybeans to make the soybeans Roundup ready, not killable with Roundup, part of them transferred into the DNA of bacteria living inside our intestines. And there was evidence that it continued to function, suggesting that it was continuing to function long after we stopped eating genetically engineered foods. And that, of course, is a very scary thing, especially if you think that the same gene transfer is going to happen in corn chips where you have genes engineered to produce this BT toxin that breaks holes in our walls of our stomach, perhaps, and that that may be the reason why 93% of the Canadian women tested had the BT toxin in their blood because their own gut bacteria was producing it day and night nonstop. Now, having said that, I, I'm happy to report that when we interview patients of doctors that prescribe non-GMO diets, they're getting better at, in a, with dramatic improvements. Uh, one woman was 25 days into the diet. Within three days, a colitis uh, a disease, which she had had for 30 years, disappeared. Another person, irritable bowel in a week and a half. Another person took four weeks. We had asthma gone, migraine headaches, infertility, restless leg syndrome. Now, one of the problems with humans avoiding GMOs, as we just discovered, is they may have to avoid some processed foods. They may have to switch to organic. And so there are cofactors which challenge the notion that it's the GMO removal that causes the improvement. 
But when the animals, the livestock, switch from genetically engineered corn and soy to non-GM corn and soy, the dramatic improvement does not have those conflicting cofactors. And when massive diarrhea problems that were fatal for one Danish pig farmer disappeared in two days and his, his litter size increased, the conception rate increased, the birth defects disappeared, the deaths from bloats and, bloats and ulcers disappeared, that was the genetically engineered component based on the fact that it was, there were no cofactors. And we're seeing that over and over again with livestock and pets and the same diseases and disorders which are going away in the animals and humans when they switch to non-GMO are the disorders and diseases that have been on the rise in North America since GMOs were introduced. Has Monsanto, is there evidence, clear evidence, Jeffrey, we have to be careful, I know how litigious Monsanto can be, and and you've experienced it firsthand, I'm sure. Is there clear-cut evidence that Monsanto and other uh, uh, companies that produce these GMOs have fudged data? I was talking to a former Monsanto scientist, and he said that when rodents were fed genetically engineered corn, and the rodents showed adverse reactions, instead of withdrawing the corn, they rewrote the study to hide the effects. He told me also that three of his colleagues were doing safety studies on the milk from cows treated with Monsanto's bovine growth hormone. They found so much of a cancer-promoting hormone in the milk, the three scientists refused to drink milk thereafter. One bought his own cow. Now, as far as the covering up specifically, in my book, Genetic Roulette, in part three, I have 41 pages of how specifically Monsanto and others rig their research. So when they wanted to show that injections of bovine growth hormone into cows did not interfere with their fertility, according to documents stolen from the FDA and made public, it appeared that Monsanto actually invited cows into the study that were already pregnant before they were ever injected. I mean, there's a lot of very, very blatant rigging of research that we have exposed, the wrong detection methods, the wrong statistical methods, uh, the wrong controls, and then when they still find deaths, disorders, and diseases in the animals that are fed GMOs, they dismiss them with completely unscientific support, but their regulators just parrot what the biotech industry says, and then we understand that many of the regulators are, are intimately connected with the biotech industry around the world. More of my conversation with Jeffrey Smith when Conspiracy Unlimited returns. Time once again to say hello to Colleen Forgus, our full script dispensary manager, nutritional therapist. How are you, Colleen? I'm wonderful, Richard. How are you? Terrific. Some of us want a detox. What do you have for us? The product I recommend is called NAC. It's by Biotics Research. NAC stands for N-acetyl-L-cysteine, and it's actually a precursor to the master antioxidant glutathione. Oh, so it, what does it do? It helps you produce glutathione? It does. It helps our body to produce it naturally. And it also is wonderful for people that are having breathing issues. So if someone's a smoker or COPD, it, this might be helpful for them. If you have an intense workout, this is great for recovery. So there's lots of good things about NAC, and it especially helps with detox. Terrific. To get your NAC, all you need to do is go to strangeplanet.ca and click on the full script dispensary button and then register. Remember, all orders receive 10% off and orders of $50 or more ship for free. These products have not been evaluated by the FDA and are not intended to treat, diagnose, or cure. If you have a medical concern, please consult your health care provider. 
The truth goes through three stages. First, it is ridiculed. Then, it is violently opposed. Finally, it is accepted as self-evident. Let me just read that again. I know what that means. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. Jeffrey Smith stays with us. We're talking about genetically modified organisms. And uh, again, uh, you want to check out his website. It's responsibletechnology.org. And um, that film, you said, that's uh, just been released uh, this week, uh, uh, Jeffrey, on GMOs. Where can people see that? Well, it's um, right now available for order at geneticroulettemovie.com. There's a trailer up there so people can watch the trailer. We are, we are not going to go through the normal channels and um, wait and try and get a theatrical release. Because of the California Ballot Initiative, it's an absolutely critical and pivotal, pivotal event that can change the course of events this century and change the way Americans and Canadians eat. Because I think that when the companies are forced to disclose that they're using GM ingredients. They know that 53% of Americans say they would avoid GMOs if labeled. So I don't think these companies are going to stick around to wait to see if they're lose, going to lose market share and goodwill on July 1st, 2014, when the labels are required. I think they're going to be reorganizing their supply chain and having farmers grow non-genetically engineered products in order to meet the demands of humans who want to eat healthier non-GMO foods. So that's what I think is going to be going on right now. A lot of allergies these days. You mentioned um, uh, that earlier. But are peanuts genetically modified? Because I don't remember as a kid uh, so many peanut allergies. And, and everywhere you turn now, someone has a – it can be deadly. It's very What's, interesting about peanuts. They're not genetically engineered, but they doubled the peanut allergy rate in the five years after genetically modified soybeans were introduced. Now, there is a cross-reactivity between soybeans and peanut allergies. So some people who are allergic to peanuts will be triggered by soybeans, and it may be possible that all the massive collateral damage in the soybeans, which increased a known allergen trypsin inhibitor by as much as sevenfold, which increased uh, an anti-nutrient, it might have also enhanced this cross-reactivity. But also we know that the Bt toxin, when fed to mice, caused them to be sensitive or reactive to formerly harmless foods. And so it's possible that when you give genetic engineered crops or foods to individuals, they can become more sensitive or allergic to other items. And this also happened in another experiment with peas that never made it to the market, fortunately. Also, the genetically engineered soy, when fed to mice, it reduced the amount of pancreatic digestive enzymes produced. And so if that's the case, and it, it takes longer for proteins to be broken down, it gives a longer period of time for proteins to trigger an allergic reaction. So again, we may be seeing a compromised immune system for many reasons, and one we've already discussed. If the BT toxin drills holes in the cell walls of our intestines, and material that's not fully digested gets through the intestines into the bloodstream, that can lead to food allergies, autoimmune disease, inflammation, and some say autism and Parkinson's and Alzheimer's and cancer because gut, leaky gut is so dangerous, according to many scientists and doctors. All right, people are lining up on the, on the, uh, the lines here. Are you ready to take some calls? Absolutely. All right, Daniel is in West Virginia. Well, good evening. Uh, what I wanted to raise the subject about, as you were discussing, the Roundup Ready crops 
of which the USDA is getting ready to green light Roundup Ready soybeans down here in the U.S., and we already have the Roundup Ready corn. Um, I wanted to point out that Roundup, is, uh, its principal ingredient, is glyphosate, which is popularly known as 2,4-D. And you want, if you want the jawbreaker for the exact uh, organo uh, compound, I can give that to you. But that is one half of the composition of Agent Orange. The other half is 2,4-5-T, which breaks down into a compound called TCDD, which is a dioxin, and is, has been called by some the most dangerous compound ever synthesized by man. Now, what happens when, two, especially 2,4-5-T, which is supposed to be banned from use in the United States, but I don't believe it, that it's enforced. In the presence of heat, it breaks down into this dioxin compound, and because they are both phenyl acetic acids, 2,4-D will break into a similar compound in the presence of heat. I think it's that these are too dangerous a substance to be using indiscriminately on on millions of acres of cropland in North America, let alone the rest of the world. All right, Daniel, thank you for that uh, information. Did you want to uh, jump in on that, uh, Jeffrey? Sure, yes. Daniel, it's my understanding that glyphosate and 2,4-D are actually two different compounds. They may be related, but what's happening is with the spread of Roundup, and Roundup Ready soybeans have been in place since 1996, there's so much Roundup being sprayed, the actual increase number, the amount of herbicide increase in the first 16 years of GMOs is about 527 million pounds more because of the GMOs in the United States. Um, that Roundup is found in the air samples, the rain samples, the water samples, the urine of city dwellers, and it's found in our bloodstream. It's found in the bloodstream of fetuses. Oh, my and word. The overuse of it has caused super weeds. Let me see if I heard that correctly. Agent Orange Ready crops. Is that what you said, Jeffrey? Agent Orange Ready crops? Yes. The 2,4-D, which is half the component of Agent Orange, they actually have crops waiting to be approved that can drink this stuff for breakfast, which means we're going to see millions of pounds more of this very toxic ingredient. In the process of making it, there's these side effects called dioxin, which the caller referred to, very, very dangerous. And not only that, but the 2,4-D can kind of vaporize and then move over to the friend's field and then drop down and kill those that field as well. So it's, it's, it's a disaster waiting to happen. Here's a very fundamental question. Can we now say that we no longer can count on the FDA in the United States and Health Canada to protect consumers? Well, I don't know when we were able to do that. I remember knowing that an FDA commissioner said the one thing that bugs me is that people think the FDA is protecting them and they're not. So even the founder of the FDA within 27 years was lamenting at how the, the corporations had taken over and that the FDA was really the enforcement wing of the corporations they were supposed to regulate. I know that in the USDA it's now run by Secretary uh, Vilsack, who was the former Biotech Governor of the Year in 2001. We know that USAID um, is, was run by a Monsanto guy. The U.S. Trade Office for Agriculture is run by a Biotech guy. We have a situation where it's hard to know where the White House and administration end and the biotech industry begins. I, I don't think I'm over... When they were protecting us, but I do know that it's been an abdication and not a regulation. Uh, I was told by a former Health Canada official that they are told to refer to uh, these companies that are seeking approval as clients. Yes, I've talked to the Shiv Chopra and others, and yes, 
uh, it was amazing. He said, no, the public should be the client. And they said, no, no, these are the companies. They're the clients. And uh, there's the whole story about how Monsanto had allegedly offered a bribe to the Health Canada senior scientists by trying to get them to approve the bovine growth hormone without further study. Jeffrey, I don't know if I'm overstating this, but this is starting to sound like corporate fascism. Well, I think, it, you know, fascism is how corporations can run governments, and I think we have certainly have the situation well in hand right now for that when it comes to biotechnology. When you look at the WikiLeaks for the U.S. government embassies, the uh, ambassador to France basically called on Washington to create a retaliation list against countries resistant to GMOs and that the action should, quote, cause some pain. The ambassador to Spain uh, wrote to Washington saying, I met with uh, the Monsanto director in the area and we should come up with pressure on Brussels to force GMOs on Europe and we should support the pro-GM forces within the Spanish government, etc., etc., and it's very, very blatant. It's explicit to promote biotechnology. Well, now we know why the uh, the witch hunt for Julian Assange, and God bless Ecuador for offering him uh, asylum. But uh, my, my, I guess how long before the United States accuses Ecuador of harboring terrorists? Yeah. <laughs> what they did with Ecuador, according to WikiLeaks, is to try and bring some of the Ecuadorian reporters to the U.S. so that they could be oriented by the biotech industry as to how to report on GMOs. I was in Taiwan recently and read to a press conference at Congress there to the reporters that were covering it how the U.S. had offered to bring the regulators from Taiwan to the United States, paying them $3,000 each, and then have Monsanto and others teach them how to regulate GMOs. My word. Uh, let's say hello to Pat in Indianapolis. Hi there, folks. How are you tonight? Well, thank you. You know, I've been listening through most of the program, and uh, Jeff has mainly talked about uh, uh, Monsanto in the chemical field, and then uh, DuPont, which uh, had to bail Pioneer out because Pioneer squandered some things on uh, uh, test research and everything, and um, that's how they got a hold of Pioneer. The company I used to be affiliated with there in Indianapolis uh, had a competing product, uh, against Monsanto, uh, <clears throat> that called Treflan, and that was produced by Eli Lilly and Company and sold through its uh, other uh, division identified as Elanco Products. Uh, we did have some of those chemicals which you mentioned earlier, only the most dangerous one was PCTB. I can't even pronounce it. It had 52 letters on it. The compound was manufactured by uh, Hooker Chemical up there in uh, uh, Niagara Falls, New York, and then shipped by tank car down to the plant in Lafayette. Well, once we got it, we discovered there was a lot of cancer-causing carcinogens to it, and we had to run it through two additional refining processes, three additional refining processes where we were able to capture maybe 60 to 70% of the bad material, but we never could get it, get it all. The other compound that was produced was, uh, at that time, American Oil, which is now BP uh, uh, Industrial Products, down there in Texas City. Two had some uh, bad ingredients, but not as bad as that, that hooker compound. Did they nonetheless receive FDA approval, Pat? 
they were able to garner FDA approval. <laughs> there you go. Well, now, what more needs to be said? We got into some tr- uh, big troubles with their pharmaceutical manufacturing, and they had to uh, sell part of uh, Elanco off. In fact, the formula at Lilly was, as Treflan went, so went Elanco, and as the profits of, of, of Elanco went, so went the profits of Eli Lilly. All right, Pat, listen, I, mean, I, um, I, I have to cut in here because we're, we're running short on time. This is all amazing information. Let me get Jeffrey in here before I move on to the next call. Jeffrey, did you want to respond to anything that Pat has uh, brought up? Yeah, we know that Eli Lilly has been sued for um, misbranding and mismarketing. And when they were trying to get bovine growth hormone approved, they were in competition with Monsanto. I talked to a former FDA regulator, and he said that Eli Lilly had sort of rigged their research and violated good standard practices to try and pretend that their um, bovine growth hormone was okay. Well, they didn't end up marketing it. Only Monsanto did, but then Monsanto sold it off to Eli Lilly, so birds of a feather. All right. uh, Up next is Karen in New York. Yes, hi. My question is pretty basic. I, I remember when I first heard about this and actually went to some USDA trainings as a paraprofessional and was um, being told that this was perfectly safe. You know, there was no problem with GMOs. But I, I also was skeptical at the time, and I, I've heard that um, in the case of corn and soybean, it's it's going it's almost like horses out of the barn, and it's almost impossible to avoid it now because other fields can be, uh, whether it's from drift or whatever, um, can be affected. Is that true? Well, once you release the genes into the gene pool, it's a self-propagating genetic pollution, and there's no way to fully clean up the gene pool. It can outlast the effects of global warming and nuclear waste. But if we removed GMOs from the market now, the exposure would go from massive to tiny. It wouldn't go to zero. So right now, if you buy organic products, they're not allowed to intentionally contain GMOs, but some may have tiny amounts of contamination. Likewise, the non-GMO project verified products, even though they've been tested and verified to meet the standards, may have a tiny amount of contamination. This is one of the tragic aspects. The biotech industry years ago claimed that you would be, we would more likely get pregnant from a toilet seat than have a non-GMO plant be cross-pollinated by a GMO. And, of course, they knew that wasn't true. They just tried to to shame anyone that thought it was. Now they say, oh, yeah, yeah, it's inevitable, but it's not important. If I have an organic farm, um, and I I, I can't remember if you mentioned alfalfa was a a GM, a genetically modified crop. Yes, it is alfalfa, yes. Let's say I'm growing organic alfalfa, for the organic uh, beef cattle uh, industry. And uh, so I want to ship that organic uh, alfalfa as feed to a a beef farmer. And a couple of concessions over is an alfalfa uh, farm that is genetically, where the plants are genetically modified. And one of those seeds or uh, you have this drift, right? And and now my, my crops are contaminated. And you may just be violating the law, because according to the Canadian Supreme Court, when this happened with canola uh, contaminating Percy Schmeisser's farm, Monsanto sued him. For patent? uh... He saved his seeds and replanted it. It violated the intellectual property rights against Monsanto's patent. And so you may have to turn over all of your property 
to the company that contaminated your seat. Unbelievable. I was going to I was going to argue the other way. I was going to argue since I would theoretically lose my organic designation, don't I have any recourse? Couldn't I sue them? But you're saying they'll sue me for patent infringement and take my crops. That is according to the Canadian Supreme Court and you can read the the uh, the judgment against Percy Schmeiser. Yes. Now, I am hoping that it, that that someone will actually test the opposite and uh, in the courts and see what they say then because it's obvious that the, the non-GMO and organic farmers are really being clobbered by the introduction of GMOs, which can threaten their very business model. Jeffrey, I don't know if you if you know Thomas Pollock, uh, the author of The End of Food. No, I don't. He's uh, oh, he's a, definitely someone you should get in touch with. Loves, lives up near Ottawa. Wrote this book, The End of Food. Talks about uh, the dangers of GMOs. Uh, worked at a, um, a fairly prestigious um, uh, university. He can't prove it, but believes he was let go because for 30 years he's been writing about these sorts of things and, and believes that big food exerted uh, a great deal of pressure on the university, and, and uh, out he went. Again, he, he, he can't prove it. Um, but he talked about uh, alfalfa and, uh, and, and, and wrote an article and tried to sell it to an Alberta newspaper because obviously cattle next to oil is, is huge in Alberta. And uh, wanted to warn, in this article, wanted to warn the farmers about uh, the encroachment of uh, genetically engineered alfalfa. Uh, the editors of the newspaper weren't interested. They said, we don't have time for this. We're in the midst of an election. Yes. <laughs> this is the frustration. The, the, the media is actually controlled in part by the advertising. And it actually gets worse. I mean, it's not just the fact that it's genetically engineered, now there's a group of scientists that have discovered a new organism the size of a virus that appears to be causing infertility and spontaneous abortions in livestock and comes from feed that has been sprayed with Roundup. So the Roundup increases the presence of this organism, according to the research to date. Now, there was a letter written to Secretary Vilsack of January last year, urging him not to approve Roundup Ready Alfalfa because more Roundup could just exacerbate this problem, which is already potentially epidemic proportions in livestock and possibly in humans, and it was completely ignored. They said they ignored the plea to not approve Roundup Ready Alfalfa, and they did not follow up with research by the USDA on something that these very highly credentialed scientists had pointed out as an emergency. Well, Jeffrey, um, thank you for uh, for this uh, last hour, and I, I, I'm sure that uh, a lot of people's ears have pricked up, and uh, they're going to be anxious to see this this film that's uh, that's coming out again. How is it? Uh, how can they screen yeah, it? GeneticRouletteMovie.com. It's called Genetic Roulette: The Gamble of Our Lives. And also for those that want to avoid GMOs, I hope everyone NonGMOShoppingGuide.com. Jeffrey, thank you again. Thank you. Okay, before I dim the lights in my little studio beneath the stairs, I'll be back in a flash with a few words about an upcoming episode. There's never been a more important time to focus on our physical well-being, build up our natural immune system, and take control of our health. That's why the mighty Aphrodite and I take a tablespoon of ESS-60 from C60 Evo Every morning, ESS-60 is the consumable form of carbon-60, the miracle molecule discovered by Nobel Prize-winning chemists. ESS-60 from C60 Evo is the purest form of ESS-60 on the market. They produce the formula of ESS-60 that was used in a landmark animal longevity study in Paris, where rats that were fed ESS-60 lived twice their natural lifespans, twice. 
ESS-60 from C60 Evo is 172 times more powerful than vitamin C. It's truly a mega antioxidant. How does it make me feel? Well, I'm 56 years old and I'm pain-free. Pain-free. My energy levels are through the roof and I sleep like a baby. The Mighty Aphrodite is noticing the exact same benefits. ESS-60 delivers better health, mental clarity, and immune support. Experience the benefits for yourself. To order, go to the notes for this episode and click on the C60 Evo link. Save 5% on your order by entering the code RS1SPEC. RS1SPEC. And if you order based on a monthly refill, you'll save even more. Get your bottle of this miracle molecule ESS60 today from C60 Evo. And again, go to the episode notes for this podcast and click on the C60 Evo link. Then enter the code RS1SPEC to start saving. This product has not been evaluated by the FDA and is not intended to treat, diagnose, or cure. If you have a medical concern, please consult your healthcare provider. Coming up next time, rating America's presidents, which presidents were the best for America and which were the worst. Until then, I'm Richard Serrett. So long for now. A new Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett drops every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at ConspiracyUnlimitedPodcast.com. Blow your mind. That is all for now. Oh, and remember to share and give a five-star review because we have huge egos and need love. We're like cats. We need... We need constant petting. <laughs>